Chapter Twelve, Part One of A Short Account of the History of Mathematics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This is a reading by Paul King, pjk.scripps.mit.edu forward slash pkj. A short account of the history of mathematics by W. W. Rouse Ball. Chapter 12. The Mathematics of the Renaissance, 1450-1637. The last chapter is a digression from the chronological arrangement to which, as far as possible, I have throughout adhered, but I trust, by references in this chapter, to keep the order of events and discoveries clear. I return now to the general history of mathematics in Western Europe. Mathematicians had barely assimilated the knowledge obtained from the Arabs, including their translations of Greek writers, when the refugees who escaped from Constantinople after the fall of the Eastern Empire brought the original works and traditions of the Greek science into Italy. Thus, by the middle of the 15th century, the chief results of Greek and Arabian mathematics were accessible to European students. The invention of printing about that time rendered the dissemination of discoveries comparatively easy. It is almost a truism to remark that, until printing was introduced, a writer appealed to a very limited class of readers. But we are perhaps apt to forget that when a medieval writer published a work, the results were known only to a few of his contemporaries. This had not been the case in classical times for then and until the fourth century of our era alexandria was the recognized centre for the reception and dissemination of new works and discoveries in medieval europe on the other hand there was no common centre through which men of science could communicate with one another and to this cause the slow and fitful development of medieval mathematics may be partially ascribed the introduction of printing marks the beginning of the modern world in science as in politics, for it was contemporaneous with the assimilation by the indigenous European school, which was born from scholasticism and whose history was traced in chapter 8, of the results of the Indian and Arabian schools, whose history and influence were traced in chapters 9 and 10, and of the Greek schools, whose history was traced in chapters 2 to 5 the last two centuries of this period in our history which may be described as the renaissance were distinguished by great mental activity in all branches of learning the creation of a fresh group of universities including those in scotland of a somewhat less complex type than the medieval universities above described testified to the general desire for knowledge the discovery of america in fourteen ninety two and the discussions that preceded the reformation flooded europe with new ideas which by the invention of printing were widely disseminated but the advance in mathematics was at least as well marked as that in literature and that in politics during the first part of this time the attention of mathematicians was to a large extent concentrated on syncopated algebra and trigonometry the treatment of these subjects is discussed in the first section of this chapter but the relative importance of the mathematicians of this period is not very easy to determine the middle years of the renaissance were distinguished by the development of symbolic algebra this is treated in the second section of this chapter
the close of the sixteenth century saw the creation of the science of dynamics this forms the subject of the first section of chapter thirteen about the same time and in the early years of the seventeenth century considerable attention was paid to pure geometry this forms the subject of the second section of chapter thirteen the development of syncopated algebra and trigonometry regiomontanus amongst the many distinguished writers of this time johann regiomontanus was the earliest and one of the most able he was born at Königsberg on June 6, 1436, and died at Rome on July 6, 1476. His real name was Johann Müller, but following the custom of that time, he issued his publications under a Latin pseudonym, which in his case was taken from his birthplace. To his friends, his neighbors, and tradespeople, he may have been Johann Müller, but the literary and scientific world knew him as Regiomontanus, just as they knew Zupernic as Copernicus, and Schwarzerd as Melanchthon. It seems to me as pedantic as it is confusing to refer to an author by his actual name when he is universally recognized under another. I shall therefore in all cases, as far as possible, use that title only, whether Latinized or not, by which a writer is generally known. Regiomontanus studied mathematics at the University of Vienna, then one of the chief centers of mathematical studies in Europe, under Perbach, who was a professor there. His first work, done in conjunction with Perbach, consisted of an analysis of the Almagest. In this, the trigonometrical functions sine and cosine were used, and a table of natural signs were introduced. Perbach died before the book was finished, and it was finally published at Venice, but not until 1496. As soon as this was completed, Regiomontanus wrote a book on astrology, which contained some astronomical tables and a table of natural tangents. This was published in 1490. Leaving Vienna in 1462, Regiomontanus traveled for some time in Italy and Germany, and at last in 1471 settled for a few years at Nuremberg, where he established an observatory, opened a printing press, and probably lectured. Three tracts on astronomy by him were written here. A mechanical eagle which flapped its wings and saluted the Emperor Maximilian I on his entry into the city bears witness to his mechanical ingenuity and was reckoned among the marvels of the age. Thence, Regiomontanus moved to Rome to an invitation from Sixtus IV, who wished him to reform the calendar. He was assassinated shortly after his arrival at the age of forty. Regiomontanus was among the first to take advantage of the recovery of the original texts of the Greek mathematical works in order to make himself acquainted with the methods of reasoning and the results there used. The earliest notice in modern Europe of the algebra of Diophantus is a remark of his that he had seen a copy of it at the Vatican. He was also well read in the works of the Arab mathematicians. The fruit of this study was shewn in De Trianguli, written in 1464. This is the earliest modern systematic exposition on trigonometry, plane and spherical, though the only trigonometrical functions introduced are those of the sine and cosine. It is divided into five books. 
the first four are given up to plane trigonometry and in particular to determining triangles from the three given conditions the fifth book is devoted to spherical trigonometry the work was printed in five volumes at nuremberg in fifteen thirty three nearly a century after the death of regiomontanus as an example of the mathematics of this time i quote one of his propositions at length it is required to determine a triangle when the difference of the two sides the perpendicular on the base and the difference between the segments into which the base is thus divided are given book two proposition twenty three the following is the solution given by Regiomontanus. Sit talis triangulus ABG, cuius duo latera AB et AG differentia habiant nota HG, ductaque perpendiculari AD duorum casium BD et DG differentia set EG. Hai duai differentiae sent datae et ipsa perpendicularis AD data digo quod omnia latera trianguli nota clagudentur per artem re sensus hoc problema absolvimus deter ergel differentia laterum ut tre differentia casium duodecim et perpendicularis decem pono probasi unum rem e pro aggregato laterum quatro res ne proportio basis ad clungerium laterum et un hg ad ge silicet unius ad quatro eret ergo bd dimediere minus sex sed ab eret duo resdemptis dimediatres duco ab in se producontur quattro census et duo quadrantum demptis sex rebus item bd in set faci quarte census et trigantia sex minus sex rebus huic ado quadrantum de decem qui est centum Caliguntur quartae census et centum tridinge sex minus sex rebus aequalis videlicet quator Cincibus et duo quartae demptis sex rebus. Restaurando itaque defectus et offerendo utrobique equalia. Quim ad modum ars ipse percipit, habimus census aliquat aliquales numero. Undi cognitio repetibit et inda tria latera trianguli more suo inutescet to explain the language of the proof i should add that regiomantus always called the unknown quantity res and its square census or zensus but though he uses these technical terms he writes the words in full he commences by saying that he will solve the problem by means of a quadratic equation per artem re et census and that he will suppose that the difference of the sides of the triangle to be three the difference of the segments of the base to be twelve and the altitude of the triangle to be ten he then takes for his unknown quantity unum rem or x the basis of the triangle therefore the sum of the sides will be four times x therefore b d will be equal to half x minus six dimidi re minus six 
and AB will be equal to 2x minus 3 halves, duores dentis dimidiatres. Hence, AB squared, AB in C, will be 4x squared plus 2 and a quarter minus 6x. Quarto chensis et duo et quarte demptus sex rebus and bd squared will be a quarter x squared plus thirty six minus six x to bd squared he adds ad squared quadrantum de decim which is a hundred and states that the sum of these two are equal to ab squared this he says will give the value of x squared census whence a knowledge of x cognitio rei can be obtained and the triangle determined to express this in the language of modern algebra we have ag squared minus dg squared equals ab squared minus db squared therefore ag squared minus ab squared equals dg squared minus db squared but by the given numerical conditions ag minus ab equals three equals a quarter of the quantity dg minus db therefore ag plus ab equals four multiplied by the quantity dg plus db which equals four x therefore ab equals two x minus three halves and bd equals half x minus six Hence, the quantity 2x minus 3 halves all squared equals the quantity half x minus 6 all squared plus 100. From which x can be found and all the elements of the triangle determined. It is worth noticing that Regiomantis merely aimed at giving a general method and the numbers are not chosen with any special reference to the particular problem. Thus, in his diagram, he does not attempt to make GE anything like four times as long as GH, and since X is ultimately found to be equal to a third of the square root of 321, the point D really falls outside the base. The order of the letters ABG used to denote the triangle is, of course, derived from the Greek alphabet. Some of the solutions which he gives are unnecessarily complicated, but it must be remembered that algebra and trigonometry were still only in the rhetorical stage of development, and when every step of the argument is expressed in words at full length, it is by no means easy to realize all that is contained in a formula. It will be observed from the above example that Regiomontanus did not hesitate to apply algebra to the solution of geometrical problems. Another illustration of this is to be found in his discussions of a question which appears in Brahmagupta's Siddhanta. The problem was to construct a quadrilateral having its sides of given lengths which should be inscribable in a circle. The solution given by Regiomontanus was effected by means of algebra and trigonometry. This was published by C. G. von Murr in Nuremberg in 1786. The Algorithmus Demonstratus of Jordanus, which was first printed in 1534, was until recently universally attributed to Regiomontanus. This work, which is concerned with algebra and arithmetic, was known to Regiomontanus, and it is possible that the text which has come down to us contains additional matter contributed by him. 
Regio Montanus was the most prominent mathematician of his generation, and I have dealt with his works in some detail as typical of the most advanced mathematics of the time. Of his contemporaries, I shall do little more than mention the names of a few of those who are best known. None were quite of the first rank, and I should sacrifice the proportion of the parts of the subject were I to devote much space to them. Perbach. I may begin by mentioning George Perbach, first the tutor, then the friend of Regiomontanus, born near Linz on May 14, 1423, and died at Vienna on April 8th, 1461, who wrote a work on planetary motions, which was published in 1460, an arithmetic, published in 1511, a table of eclipses, published in 1514, and a table of natural signs, published in 1541. Cusa. Next, I may mention Nicholas von Cusa, who was born in 1401 and died in 1464. Although the son of a poor fisherman and without influence, he rose rapidly in the church, and in spite of being a reformer before the Reformation, became a cardinal. His mathematical writings deal with the reform of the calendar and the quadrature of the circle. He argued in favor of the diurnal rotation of the earth. Chouquet I may also here notice a small treatise on arithmetic known as Le Triparti by Nicolas Chouquet, a bachelor of medicine in the University of Paris, which was written in 1484. This work indicates that the extent of mathematics then taught was somewhat greater than was generally believed a few years ago. It contains the earliest known use of the radical sign with indices to mark the root taken, two for a square root, three for a cube root, and so on, and also a definite statement on the rules of signs. The words plus and minus are denoted by the contraction P with a bar over it and M with a bar over it. The work is in French. Introduction of the signs plus and minus. In England and Germany, algorists were less fettered by precedent and tradition than in Italy, and introduced some improvements in notation which were hardly likely to occur to an Italian. Of these, the most prominent were the introduction of the current symbols for addition, subtraction, and equality. The earliest instances of the use of the signs plus and minus, of which we have any knowledge, occur in the 15th century. Johannes Widman of Egger, born about 1460, matriculated at Leipzig in 1480, and probably by profession a physician, wrote Mercantile Arithmetic, published at Leipzig in 1489. In this book these signs are used, not however as symbols of operation, but apparently merely as marks signifying excess or deficiency. The corresponding use of the word surplus or overplus is still retained in commerce. It is noticeable that the signs generally occur only in practical mercantile questions. Hence, it has been conjectured that they were originally warehouse marks. Some kinds of goods were sold in a sort of wooden chest called a lagle, which, when full, was apparently expected to weigh roughly either three or four kentners. If one of these cases were a little higher, say five pounds, than four kentners, Widman describes it as 4c minus 5 pounds. 
if it were five pounds heavier than the normal weight it is described as four c plus five pounds and there are some slight reasons for thinking that these marks were chalked on the chests as they came into the warehouses the symbols are used as if they would be familiar to his readers it will be observed that the vertical line in the symbol for excess printed above is somewhat shorter than the horizontal line this is also the case with stifle and most of the early writers who use the symbol some presses continued to print it in this its earliest form till the end of the seventeenth century Zeilander, on the other hand in fifteen seventy five has the vertical bar much longer than the horizontal line and the symbol is something like plus we infer that the more usual case was for a chest to weigh a little less than its reputed weight and as the sign minus placed between the two numbers was a common symbol to signify some connection between them that seems to have been taken as the standard case while the vertical bar was originally a small mark superadded on the sign minus to distinguish the two symbols i am far from saying that this account of the origin of our symbols plus and minus is established beyond doubt but it is the most plausible that has yet been advanced another suggested derivation is that plus is a contraction of p the initial letter in the old german of plus while minus is the limiting form of m for minus written rapidly de morgan proposed yet another derivation the hindus sometimes used a dot to indicate subtraction and this dot might be thought to have been elongated into a bar and thus give the sign for minus while the origin of the sign for plus was derived from it by a superadded bar as explained above but i take it that at a later time he abandoned this theory for what has been called the warehouse explanation another conjecture ingenious but unsupported by any evidence is that the symbol for plus is derived from the latin abbreviation ampersand for et while that for minus is obtained from the bar from which it is often written over the contracted form of a word to signify that certain letters have been left out I should perhaps here add that till the close of the sixteenth century the sign plus connecting two quantities like a and b was also used in the sense that if a were taken as the answer to some question one of the given conditions would be too little by b this was a relation which constantly occurred in the solutions of questions by the rule of false assumption lastly i would repeat again that these signs in widman are only abbreviations and not symbols of operation he attached little or no importance to them and no doubt would have been amazed if he had been told that their introduction was preparing the way for a revolution of the processes used in algebra the algorithmus of jordanus was not published until fifteen thirty four Widman's work was hardly known outside Germany, and it is to Pacioli that we owe the introduction into general use of syncopated algebra, that is, the use of abbreviations for certain of the more common algebraical quantities and operations, but wherein using them the rules of syntax are observed. Pacioli Lucas Pacioli, sometimes known as Lucas di Burgio, and sometimes but more rarely as Lucas Paciolus, 
was born in Burgo in Tuscany, about the middle of the 15th century. We know little of his life, except that he was a Franciscan friar, and that he lectured in mathematics at Rome, Pisa, Venice, and Milan, and that at the last-named city he was the first occupant of a chair of mathematics founded by Savorza. He died at Florence, about the year 1510. His chief work was printed at Venice in 1494, and is termed Summa di Arithmetica Geometrica Proposioni e Proposionorita. It consists of two parts, first dealing with arithmetic and algebra, the second with geometry. This was the earliest printed book on arithmetic and algebra. It is mainly based on the writings of Leonardo of Pisa, and its importance in the history of mathematics is largely due to its wide circulation. In arithmetic, Pacioli gives rules for the four simple processes and a method for extracting square roots. He deals pretty fully with all questions connected with mercantile arithmetic, in which he works out numerous examples, and in particular discusses at great length bills of exchange and the theory of bookkeeping by double entry. This part was the first systematic exposition of algoristic arithmetic, and has already been alluded to in chapter 11. It and similar work by Tartaglia are the two standard authorities on the subject. Most of the problems are solved by the method of false assumption, but there are several numerical mistakes. The following example will serve as an illustration of the kind of arithmetical problems discussed. I buy for 1,440 ducats at Venice 2,400 sugar loaves, whose net weight is 7,200 lire. I pay as a fee to the agent two per cent, to the weighers and porters on the whole two ducats. I afterwards spend in boxes, cords, canvas, and in fees to the ordinary packers in the whole eight ducats. For the tax or octroi duty on the first amount, one ducat per cent. Afterwards, for duty and tax at the office of exports, three ducats per cent. For writing directions on the boxes and booking their passage, one ducat for the bark on Rimini, thirteen ducats. In compliments to the captains and in drink for the crews of armed barks on several occasions, two ducats. In expenses for provisions for myself and servant for one month, six ducats. For expenses for several short journeys overland here and there, for barbers, for washing of linen, and of boots for myself and servant, one ducat. Upon my arrival in Rimini, I pay to the captain of the port, for port dues, in the money of that city, three lire. For porters, disembarkation on land, and carriage to the magazine, five lire. As tax upon entrance, four soldi a load, which are in number thirty-two, such being the custom, for booth at the fair, four soldi per load, I further find that the measures used at the fair are different to those used at Venice, and that 140 lire of weight are there equivalent to 100 at Venice, and that 4 lire of their silver coinage are equal to a ducat of gold. I ask, therefore, at how much must I sell 100 lire in Rimini in order that I may gain 10% upon my whole adventure, and what is the sum which I must receive in Venetian money. 
In the algebra, he finds expressions for the sum of the squares and the sum of the cubes of the first n natural numbers. The larger part of this book is taken up with simple and quadratic equations and problems on numbers which lead to such equations. He mentions the Arabic classification of cubic equations, but adds that their solution appears to be as impossible as the quadrature of the circle. The following is the rule he gives for solving a quadratic equation of the form x squared plus x equals a. It is rhetorical and not syncopated and will serve to illustrate the inconvenience of that method. Si rese census numero coequantur, arribus dimidius sumto censum producere debus. Adereque numero cudius aredice totiens tor semis rerum, Cincius Latusque redibit. He confines his attention to the positive roots of equations. Though much of the matter described above is taken from Leonardo's Liber Abaci, yet the notation in which it is expressed is superior to that of Leonardo. Pacioli follows the Arabs in calling the unknown quantity the thing, in Italian cosa. Hence, algebra was sometimes known as the Cossack art, or in Latin, res, and sometimes denotes it by co, or r, or rj. He calls the square of it census, or zensus, and sometimes denotes it by che, ce, or z. Similarly, the cube of it, or cuba, is sometimes represented by q, cu, or c. The fourth power, or censo di censo, is written either at length or as ce di ce, ce, space di, di, space ce, or as ce, ce. It may be noticed that all his equations are numerical, so that he did not rise to the conception of representing known quantities by letters as Jordanus has done, and as is the case in modern algebra but m libri gives two instances in which in a proportion he represents a number by a letter he indicates addition and equality by the initial letters of the word plus and equalis but he generally evades the introduction of a symbol for minus by writing his quantities on that side of the equation which makes them positive though in a few places he denotes it by m with a bar over it for minus or by DE for Demptus. This is a commencement of syncopated algebra. There is nothing striking in the results he arrives at in the second or geometrical part of the work, nor in two other tracts on geometry which he wrote, in which were printed at Venice in 1508 and 1509. It may be noticed, however, that like Regiomantus, he applies algebra to aid him in investigating the geometrical properties of figures. The following is a problem which will illustrate the kind of geometrical questions he attacked. The radius of the inscribed circle of a triangle is four inches, and the segments into which one side is divided by the point of contact are six inches and eight inches, respectively determine the other sides. To solve this, it is sufficient to remark that RS equals the triangle, which equals the square root of S times 
the quantity s minus a times the quantity s minus b times the quantity s minus c which gives 4s equals the square root of s times the quantity s minus 14 times 6 times 8 all under the square root hence s equals 21 therefore the required sides are 21 minus 6 and 21 minus 8 that is 15 and 13 but pacioli makes no use of these formulae with which he was acquainted but gives an elaborate geometrical construction and then uses algebra to find the lengths of the various segments of the lines he wants the work is too long for me to reproduce here, but the following analysis of it will afford sufficient materials for its reproduction. Let ABC be the triangle, DEF be the points of contact with the sides, and O the center of the given circle. Let H be the point of intersection of OB and DF, and K that of OC and DE. Let L and M be the feet of the perpendiculars drawn from E and F on BC draw EP parallel to AB and cutting BC in P. Then Pacioli determines in succession the magnitudes of the following lines OB, OC, FD, FH, ED, and EK. He then forms a quadratic equation from the solution of which he obtains the values MB and MD. Similarly, he finds the values LC and LD. He now finds in succession the values of EL, FM, EP, and LP, and then by similar triangles obtains the value of AB, which is 13. This proof was, even 60 years later, quoted by Cardan as incomparably simple and excellent and the very crown of mathematics. I cite it as an illustration of the involved and inelegant methods then current. The problems enunciated are very similar to those in the De Triangulis of Reggio Montanus. Leonardo da Vinci the fame of Leonardo da Vinci as an artist has overshadowed his claim to consideration as mathematician, but he may be said to have prepared the way for a more accurate conception of mechanics and physics, while his reputation and influence drew some attention to the subject. He was an intimate friend of Pacioli. Leonardo was the illegitimate son of a lawyer of Vinci in Tuscany, was born in 1452, and died in France in 1519 while on a visit to Francis I. Several manuscripts by him were seized by the French revolutionary armies at the end of the last century, and Venturi, at the request of the Institute, reported on those concerned with physical or mathematical subjects. Leaving out of account Leonardo's numerous and important artistic works, his mathematical writings are concerned chiefly with mechanics, hydraulics, and optics, his conclusions being usually based on experiments. His treatment of hydraulics and optics involves but little mathematics. The mechanics contain numerous and serious errors. The best portions are those dealing with the equilibrium of a lever under any forces, the laws of friction, the stability of a body as affected by the position of its center of gravity, the strength of beams, and the orbit of a particle under a central force. He also treated a few easy problems by virtual moments. A knowledge of the triangle of forces is occasionally attributed to him, but I think it is most probable that his views on the subject were somewhat indefinite. 
generally one may say that all his mathematical work is unfinished and consists largely of suggestions which he had not the patience to verify or discuss in detail durer albrecht durer was another artist of the same time who was also known as a mathematician he was born at nuremberg in may twenty first fourteen seventy one and died there on april sixth fifteen twenty eight his chief mathematical work was issued in fifteen twenty five and contains a discussion of perspective and some geometry and certain graphical solutions latin translations of it were issued in fifteen thirty two fifteen fifty five and sixteen o five copernicus an account of nicholas copernicus born at thorn on february nineteenth fourteen seventy three and died at frauenburg on may seventh fifteen forty three and his conjecture that the earth and planets all revolved around the sun belonged to astronomy rather than to mathematics i may however add that copernicus wrote a short textbook on trigonometry published at wittenberg in fifteen forty two which is clear though it contains nothing new it is evident from this and his astronomy that he was well read in the literature of mathematics and was himself a mathematician of considerable power i describe his statement as to the motion of the earth as a conjecture because he advocated it only on the ground that it gave a simple explanation of natural phenomenon galileo in sixteen thirty two was the first to try to supply anything like a proof of this hypothesis by the beginning of the sixteenth century the printing press began to be active and many of the works of the earlier mathematicians became now for the first time accessible to all students this stimulated inquiry and before the middle of the century numerous works were issued which though they did not include any great discoveries introduced a variety of small improvements all tending to make algebra more analytical record the sign now used to denote equality was introduced by robert record record was born at tenby in Pembrokeshire, about fifteen ten and died at london in fifteen fifty eight he entered at oxford and obtained a fellowship at all souls college in fifteen thirty one thence he migrated to cambridge where he took a degree in medicine in fifteen forty five he then returned to oxford and then lectured there but finally settled in london and became physician to edward the sixth and to mary his prosperity must have been short-lived for at the time of his death he was confined to the king's bench prison for debt in fifteen forty he published an arithmetic termed the ground of arts in which he employed the signs plus for plus and minus for minus plus sign which betokeneth too much as this line minus plain without a cross-line betokeneth too little and there are faint traces of his having used these signs as symbols of operation and not as mere abbreviations in this book the equality of two ratios is indicated by two equal and parallel lines which whose opposite ends are joined diagonally for example a greater than or equal to sign 
a few years later in fifteen fifty seven he wrote an algebra under the title whetstone of wit this is interesting as it contains the earliest introduction of the sign equals for equality and he says he selected that particular symbol because then two parallel straight lines no two things can be more equal m charles henry has however pointed out that this sign is a not uncommon abbreviation for the word est in medieval manuscripts and this would seem to indicate a more probable origin in this work records shewed how the square root of an algebraical expression could be extracted he also wrote on astronomy these works give a clear view of the knowledge of the time rudolph rees about the same time in germany rudolph and rees took up the subjects of algebra and arithmetic their investigations formed the basis of stifel's well-known work christoph rudolph published his algebra in fifteen twenty five it is entitled Cross and it is founded on the writings of Pacioli and perhaps of Jordanus. Rudolph introduced the sign of Surd for the square root, the symbol being the corruption of the initial letter of the word radix, and similarly three surds denoted a cube root and two surds denoted a fourth root. Adam Rees was born near Bamberg, Bavaria in 1489 of humble parentage, and after working for some years as a miner, set up a school. He died at Anneberg on March 30, 1559. He wrote a treatise on practical geometry, but his most important book was his well-known arithmetic, which may be described as algebraical, issued in 1536 and founded on Pacioli's work. Rees used the symbols plus and minus. End of section sixteen. Recording by Paul King, pjk.scripts.mit.edu forward slash pkj.